This week on Conversations of Inspiration, I'm speaking to Joe Wicks, a.k.a. The Body Coach. TV presenter and author specialising in cooking and fitness books, Joe started his career as a personal trainer, but he only experienced success when he started posting 15-second recipe videos on social media. Joe grew his brand to become one of the most followed fitness accounts on Instagram. His first published cookbook, Lean and 15, was one of the best-selling books in 2015, having sold over a million copies. He's also created a 90-day plan with workouts and meals that are tailored to the individual. His empire has grown to employing over 40 members of staff and counting, but he has such a strong sense of purpose and passion for helping others. I know he's going to leave a lasting legacy. I invited the ultra-inspiring Joe down to the Holly & Co workshops in Twickenham, where he arrived in style on his skateboard. We ate delicious broccoli on toast and spoke about his incredible journey so far. We also talked about how he had built his business using social media, but at the core, he's using it all for good. From fitness to mental health, from how we can champion our children to be healthier, and most importantly, that perseverance and purpose are the two key qualities in building a successful entrepreneur. Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going you won't need to bring your frown I'm Holly Tucker and welcome to Conversations of Inspiration. Back in 2006, I founded Not On The High Street for my kitchen table and since then I've gone on to launch Holly & Co. I'm the UK ambassador of Creative Small Businesses and I believe that having a business doing what you love is the key to a happy, fulfilled life. My dream is to help everybody start theirs. I'm here to offer advice, inspiration, wisdom and encouragement. And in my view, the best way to do this is by sharing stories. So I've reached out to my favourite small businesses, entrepreneurs and those who simply inspire me and ask them to share theirs. Here are my conversations of inspiration. Hi, Joe. Thank you so much for being in my workshop today. We are very excited to have you here. We have our broccoli on toast, which has been renamed today Midget Trees on Toast in your honour. And the energy and positivity already you've brought in is incredible. So welcome to Conversations of Inspiration. Thank you so much. And I have to say that was probably the (laughs) best sandwich I've ever had in my life. I can't believe this. The olive bread and the hummus and the, and the broccoli, which I often call midget trees, really was wonderful. I've never had I've never had a sandwich of midget trees on top, so that's my new thing now. Oh, brilliant! Well, you're welcome anytime. We've got so much to talk about today, but what I wanted to start off was telling our listeners a little backstory, as you've been in our world for a little time now, but we've never actually met. But I remember it must have been six or seven years ago, walking through Richmond High Street on my way to Not on the High Street's office. And I would always see this guy every day in all weathers flyering for his boot camp called Rumble in the Park. There you were outside Richmond Station and I had this smaller team at Notting High Street and they would actually come to your fitness classes. And I know before we were recording, you were talking to Gabby, who's my co-founder. And there she was remembering her first time at one of your lessons. And it was only her and another person. But I know you're going to talk about this later 
And then suddenly, like sort of out of nowhere, the Joe that I passed every day was suddenly on billboards advertising his Lean and 15. And then you were absolutely everywhere. And I couldn't believe it was the same Joe that was outside my Richmond station. So your success is just one of my favourites. And I cannot wait to have the honour of hearing it firsthand. So with all that, and I hope I've not given too much away, but I would love to hear your story, your incredibly inspiring story from the little Joe Wicks growing up to the hugely successful businessman who sits before me today. What a wonderful introduction. It's so nice. And I I often forget the journey I've been on. It feels like sometimes people look and they say, you've got all these followers, it's an instant success, but it was eight years of really, you know, hard work and going up to turn up to the boot camp and nobody would be there and I would go flying outside the station and I kept repeating that. I just had this ethos that I thought if I just come back one more day and come back next week, one more person might turn up and it, like I said, it was Harriet from Not On The High Street and one day there'd be someone from eBay or Amazon and it was just a really slow journey. But yeah, I've, I've definitely gone on an amazing journey that I'm really proud of. So how far do you want to go back Let's in the story? Let's go back to the little boy. The little boy who grew up on a council estate. So I grew up on a council estate between Epsom and Yule. My mum had me and my brother really young. She left home when she was 15. She had Nikki at 17. So she was um, not really, you know, educated. She had me when she was 19 and she was always on the, you know, I was on the dole, was on social, didn't, didn't really work. And she's actually gone on to become a really amazing social worker. She, she's gone back into, you know, study and she's a wonderful inspiration to me. But I, I was definitely a very hyperactive kid you would have thought that I was going to end up probably in a detention centre or, you know, kicked out of school. But I suppose I always had exercise and fitness and I was very active. I wasn't super academic, but I always knew in my heart that I'd end up doing something within fitness or something energetic. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. And so you took that energy and, as you said, you didn't have what some people might think was the background that you could have had. Now you've built such a successful brand. But what did you do following that? You left school, didn't you? And you, you didn't go straight into your business. I was really lost and confused. I did a degree in sports science, came out of university. I thought I was going to become a PE teacher. That was my aim. But after working as a teaching assistant for a few months, I realised I wasn't quite cut out for it. I just thought, this is a tough job. I don't think I've got 20, 30 years of this in me. <laughs> so then I kind of would just go travelling. I'd always find a way to just go on, go on a little adventure and delay the kind of inevitable of starting a career. And I remember vividly like sitting down looking for jobs and thinking I want to do that but I'm not qualified I've just got this degree that only really allows me to become a PE teacher it doesn't allow me to do anything else so I'd, I felt really sad during that time and really confused so I'd just play Call of Duty on my Xbox or I'd go and <laughs> play football or just go on a holiday and just kind of delay that 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 commitment and that action of actually doing yeah. something yeah so yeah I definitely don't come from an am ambitious family you know I don't have a long line of successful business people around me my dad's a roofer my mum's a social worker me and my brother, Nicky, were the first two Wixes to ever go to university. So wow. we kind of broke the mould a little bit. And, you know, my dad was in and out of rehab when I was a kid, so he wasn't always there. But I've always just made the right decisions. I didn't want to follow in those footsteps. I've just been able to make my own decisions and, and create my own life. And I think that's important that no matter what your surroundings are, you have the ability to really take your life in the direction you want it to go in. It's just an amazing story and it's already showing that it's a story of determination and perseverance. Before Not Nigh High Street, I had a business called Your Local Fair and it's where I curated small businesses and then I put them under a town hall roof, not the internet at that point in time. And I would too spend every weekend handing out leaflets. That's all I did was just hand out these leaflets, putting them on car windscreens, onto shop notice boards. And if you spoke to me, I gave you a leaflet and it was my... 
understanding that unless I did this, it wasn't going to happen. So you discovered your passion for fitness and your purpose for helping others feel better and healthier and then just turned everything around for you. You combined the two. You combined this passion and your belief in with your skill and you created this brand. The book started it all though, didn't it? You got an eight book deal, is this right? And it's the second biggest selling cookbook of all time after Jamie. And I'm sitting here with you. I can't even cope with this. What was it like when you saw your books on the shelves for the first time? I remember the first time I got a book deal. I basically went in, I got an email from HarperCollins out of the blue saying, hey, we follow you on Instagram. We think you're wonderful. You're doing really good stuff. Do you want to come and have a meeting and, and you know, talk about a book? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm not really a trained chef. I've never written a book. Anyway, cut a long story short, I ended up getting a literary agent who then took my book proposal to all the publishers and it went to something called a blind auction where they're all bidding for the rights to it. So it was originally a two-book deal, but because it went so crazy on, on pre-orders on Amazon, it was just like top of the charts for weeks before it came out, my publisher called me and says, look, we want to secure you for a bit longer. So they gave me an eight-book deal. And I remember ringing my mum saying, Mum, I've got a book deal, like, I'm going to have a book. And it wasn't, it wasn't until I, I saw it on the shelves and my mum, I was with my mum in Kingston once and the bus went past with my face on it. No. And my mum just was, like, really emotional, really happy. And I just thought, I couldn't Aww. believe that I've, I've gone on, started posting these recipes on my phone. I, I used to live in Surbiton, so I had my iPhone. I'd shout out the window and, you know, in with a Lucy B and that right there is Lean in 15. But I had no idea what I was creating. I didn't have this vision. I wasn't ambitious to build a brand and a community and monetize it and sell products it just came really truly from a passion of just I'm just having fun I'm just doing what I love it's, it's surreal I can't and, I, and to compare myself to like Jamie Oliver and Delia and all these amazing chefs it's it's mad I feel like a bit of a chancer really so t- just take me back though because when we left off in that story you were rumble in the park you were a fitness trainer you would wake up at crazy hours and you would go to bed at crazy hours and you wouldn't stop. Take me through from actually physically being the trainer to then getting that HarperCollins email. What happened in that little chunk of time? So I would wake up, leave my dad's flat, I was living with my dad and I would cycle all the way with a push bike and a trailer because I've, I've told this story before but I couldn't afford a van. So I'd load the kettlebells up, I'd load the pads and the TRX and the rope and all that. I'd cycle all the way. That's quite heavy, isn't it? Yeah, it was really heavy, but I loved it. I loved, I just felt I was getting fitter as I did it. (laughs) So I'd leave my house about half five in the morning, cycle all the way to Old Deer Park. Yeah. I'd cross that main road, you know, the big main road, set up my boot camp. I'd put all the stations out. I'd have 15 stations thinking today's the day that 15 people are going to turn up and nobody would come, you know, and it was really tough and it was, it was difficult, but I just refused to give up. So I'd go flyering. And in that process of I eventually kind of built my boot camp business, I had a nice steady income, like a direct debit yep. business from that. And then I had personal training on the side alongside it. And then I, just, I started to share things on Twitter and Facebook and eventually Instagram opened up video in 2014. Yes. That was when I had the idea for Lean in 15. So I, I sat there with my phone. I made this really bad recipe, really monotone voice. I wasn't excited. <laughs> I was just sounded really depressed. Posted it, not really knowing what I was doing. And that one idea has gone on to become this huge thing. You know, I've, I've sold three and a half million books and I've reached millions of people because of that one idea. And honestly, the amount of people that said, Joe, you're so annoying, your voice is annoying, why are you being silly? Like, get back to your boot camp, you know. But I persevered and, and because of that, I've built this wonderful business and this, and this amazing community. 
You then started now this online training programme. Can you talk to me about that and our listeners who might not know this the next part of the story? Yeah, so alongside, when I was, I was doing personal training, boot camps and the social media stuff, but that wasn't a monetized thing. As my community started to build, then I, I realised that there was an issue, which was people were doing the same diets over and over again. Yep. They were struggling with, you know, low calorie, low fat, you know, deprivation diets. So I thought, why not create a kind of online product? And this is my main, my main kind of revenue. So I've got my online product. I've got my books and my Joe Wicks kind of stuff, which is appearances and brand deals. But the Body Coach Online Nutrition Company is tailored health and fitness plan. So it's nutrition and training. You can sign up anywhere in the world. And we've had over 300,000 people have signed up to that in, in the past sort of four or five years. And like I said, it, it was insane. I, if, you, if you looked at a graph of my social media following and the sales of the plan, it was almost identical. And so I thought it was just going to keep growing. But as I've learned, you don't have that growth forever. There's just it, mm -hmm. no company can sustain that mm -hmm. outrageous level of growth. Mm -hmm. So it kind of started to settle down, but it's still a really you know, successful and sustainable business. And for me now, it's almost a lifestyle business. Like I love it, but it allows me to travel and I can be in different countries and still putting out content. And I have that kind of um, business behind me that can allow me to yeah, be a bit more independent and explore and see the world a little bit. It's interesting. A couple of things there. You call it lifestyle business. For me, it's just a good life company. So this is something that I've created, a terminology to help us stop calling things lifestyle or maybe corporate, you know, serious stuff, whatever um, people start to think about what business is. Because a good life business is something that you want to do for the rest of your life. And it just so happens that you live your life in it and you're running your business within it. So yes, you get to choose your hours or maybe do the different deals that you want to do. But, you know, let's just put it, you're working damn hard as well. I mean, I, I'm seeing your stories at God knows what time in the morning till mm -hmm. what time. You, so you're working so hard. And the other thing is, is that there is this moment, I think you, we were just talking before we went on air, that you think that with lots of people joining and bigger is better and, you know, globalisation, et cetera, et cetera. But along with that, I think what you're saying is it's very expensive to start with and it brings something into your organisation that might not then allow you to flourish. You know, there's, yeah. there's that balance, isn't there, between, I used to call it not on the high street, scaling the unique. It's a very difficult thing to do. You've got all this ambition and you want to scale, but what you do is unique. And the more you scale, almost in a way, what happens in life, the less unique it becomes. Is that something that you were finding? Yeah, I've, I've listened to so many podcasts where companies talk about that, where, you know, investors will come in and it becomes a bit corporate and you lose that element of the passion and the mission, what it truly was in the beginning. I created an amazing culture within my office because I wanted it to be a fun, exciting place to work. And I'm really proud that my members of staff have been with me for three years and it's, it's effectively a customer service role. So there's normally quite a high churn rate in that kind of job. But I think I had visions to grow and expand mm -hmm. a lot more bigger and it kind of didn't quite work out, but it's not something I regret, although it was a massive financial investment, you know, on a three and a half year lease and all the manpower. But I had such a big ambition. I was such a big dreamer that I thought we are going to need all these staff one day and we are going to grow and hit Australia. And we just, I just didn't quite have the international growth that I thought I was going to have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's but been it could part come, of the journey. You know, it could come. That's the thing. It's like... Potentially, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, you've got a long time ahead of you. And, and I was um, talking to another entrepreneur who talks about the turtle and the hare. And the turtle always wins the race. You know, it's that slow and steady and building a real strong business that is the thing that will last you until however long you want it to last. But going back, I couldn't quite believe the amount of success stories you've created from people using your training plan. I had a look through the ones you posted 
post on your Instagram where you post the before and after photos of people and their backstory. Amazing stories, overcoming depression, helping people with bulimia, anorexia, and those who have just had terrible struggles in their personal life, being suicidal. And so your fitness plans and your philosophy has gone much deeper. It must be incredible hearing the stories of the lives you've changed. That is, without a doubt, the fuel that keeps me going. That's what keeps me doing Instagram stories till midnight and replying to DMs and voice notes because that's truly my passion and purpose, and I love it. And I always say I'm very purpose-driven, not profit-driven. You know, I've reduced the price of the plan. I've redesigned the plan. And for all the people that signed up before, I gave it all to them because I wanted to say thank you for helping me grow the business. And so it's little things like that. And I want people to know that, yeah, when they become a part of the company or part of the business, like I'm always grateful. I'm really, mm -hmm. really value the importance of just saying thank you to people. And it's been, it's just been phenomenal. I can't believe the testimonials I read from people that have, like you said, overcome whether it's relationship stuff or confidence in roles. I've, I've spoke to so many people that have been dieting for 20 years and they've done my plan and within 90 days they feel like a completely different person. So without a doubt, that is what motivates me and that keeps me going. Oh, I, th I think what I find most inspiring about you is that you have this depth, this huge sense of, as you said, purpose within your business. It's why I sort of know that you're going to have legacy and longevity within your success. You have this talent for motivating, inspiring, teaching, but your purpose is to actually help people feel better about themselves and educating us to eat better. And I know you want to make genuine change that's your real real change has this always been vital to your business and do you believe in order to be successful all entrepreneurs need to have that sort of purpose bigger than simply making money definitely I, I think all of my success came down to a genuine passion just to, to loving sharing recipes loving knowing that I was helping someone feel better about themselves and not every not every business is going to necessarily have that impact but it, I just feel like if you really love what you do and you're getting some kind of feedback from people in the real world like affecting families and communities and that's where the most successful companies come from out of that passion yeah, of wanting to help people it's very difficult to go in and say and oh, i just want to build an audience and start selling products and that's all i care about because that nowadays with social media like people can see through that and i had to learn so quick i went from running a boot camp on my own to having 50 staff within the space of like two years and i wasn't a ceo i wasn't a, i had no idea about recruitment and hiring and health and safety and HR, you know, all these things. And so I had to really learn, but it's not necessarily my skill set. But what I am good at is communicating with people and making people feel welcome and encouraging them and, and being kind of a motivator and making someone create a change in their life. Even if it's like a, mm. a daily habit of prepping your meals for work or doing a workout when you get home. These things are why I'm still succeeding and growing is because everyone can see what I really am about and they can... Mm. People are drawn to like motivational people, aren't they? And mm. people that are ambitious, mm. so... And it's so genuine. You must find it quite exhausting sometimes. I, I know my currency is inspiring. If I can just help inspire one person in a day, I feel like I've gone to bed doing a really good day's work. But it can be exhausting as well because you do give a lot, don't you? You give a lot from your soul. How do you deal with that? Or is it, do you never get fatigued? I'm my own worst enemy. So I don't know. I'm looking at my phone probably seven hours a day. But I spend about two or three hours a day replying to DMs and doing voice notes to people. So, And then when I tell people on my story, hey, guys, I've just been doing those voice notes, people go, wow, like he actually replies to people. Like It's going to be him. So then I get more. more messages and it comes in. and then, Or I'll talk about a motivational thing about my journey and it will inspire people and more, more messages come in. So I'm never... Um, I, it, you can <laughs> never clear your inbox, basically. But I do have... I've got to get better because I'm... 
I'm looking at it all throughout the day, like all the time. Every 10 minutes I'm doing something, whereas I'm going to start chunking it into sections and just yeah. smash it out for two or three hours yeah. rather than just the whole day is about replying to people. But I've got an obsession with engaging. I just don't want to lose that engagement and that connection with people. I don't chase scale anymore. I'm not bothered about having 10 million followers. I want like a really engaged number of followers that I care about and that I can yeah. actually connect with. Yeah. And these well, are the people that will, you know, will pre-order your book and will sign up to your completely. plan and support it's, you. It's far better to have fewer loyal fans, you know, and if you can have that tribe, you know, that's the thing, isn't it? We, you're not looking to really, as you said, you're not looking to scale the unique, you're looking to keep the unique. Yeah. And actually those people, those people who love you will help you do the amazing things that you're going to do because that leads me into your next mission is to help children teach them how to cook exercise properly and we all know that childhood obesity is at an all-time high what are your plans to try and tackle these issues i've seen your latest post your passion to teach children how to cook for themselves which i just think is genius thank god you are doing this it's so important. I've, and now I've become a dad to my little baby girl. I just really think it's so important that kids are encouraged to take part in cooking at home and to exercise at school. And so I'm going on a, on a UK schools hit tour. I tried to, I've been talking to Channel 4 for about a year and a half, hoping they would televise it. Kind of like a Jamie Oliver school yep. dinner thing, but in looking at fitness and not, not a cooking thing. And they knocked it back and I said, all right, whatever. Like, I'm, I'm not going to let that get, get to me. I'm going to go all in on digital. So I've been doing YouTube live workouts I put out a, a post on my channels to get the, co the schools to um, contact. 18,000 schools out of 32,000 contacted us and applied. So they, we went through the list. We've chosen a route. We're starting in Edinburgh and working our right way down. You're going to, this Sunday, isn't that I right? I leave on Sunday. Yeah. We start Monday. And over five days, I'm going to 17 schools doing hit sessions in every school. So oh three or God. four a day. Because I, I want to investigate. I want to know what's going on and yep. speak to teachers and parents and, and, and head of PE and, and find out, you know, what is the health of our kids and how can I make an impact? And I'm not trying to get money off the government. I don't need any government backing. I can just go straight into the school and say, look, I've got these workouts on YouTube. All you've got to do is go in and press play. Let your kids take part and watch how much more productive they are. Watch how happier they become. And there's already schools doing it all over the world at the moment. So this is me trying to amplify it a little bit. And I'm going to take my own cameraman. I'm self-funding everything. There's no brand attached to it. I could, you know, I could easily get brands to pay for all this stuff, but I don't want that. Any, there's no commercial element to this. It's me and my brother Nicky and my friend Dom and one cameraman, and we're going to make our own little mini documentary. And I, this is what I want to be remembered for in 15, 20 years' time. I'll be remembered as the person that got Britain's kids fit again and happy. Because if they don't, who's going to do it? Who's got that much influence at the moment? There's just no, no one. And even if I had a TV show on Channel 4, I would not have got 18,000 schools to sign up. No. There's not enough people who are on TV right now. It's all digital. So using social media, using tech and YouTube and all these platforms, I can disrupt their day. I know kids are going to be on there watching their gaming videos and playing Call of Duty and FIFA, but if you can interrupt it just for 15 minutes, that can make a big difference to their life. Oh, I feel a bit emotional. Something I'm doing at Holly & Co, is, it's similar, which is you, you just can't wait for other people to think that what you're trying to do is a good idea. And actually, your legacy is to do this. I, I think it's so exciting about living in this generation is how much we can change things as human beings can actually achieve, especially when you're an entrepreneur using your platform for bit of business for good. You can't wait for the then elected governments or the group of committed citizens who might be able to try and fund something. This is the era that business is going to change the way of the world in a good way this time, though. Yeah. I certainly have missions I want to accomplish in Holly & Co. 
I want to help everyone feel empowered to start a business doing exactly what they love. I want to help more women start a business and not feel imposter syndrome. I want to support independence and help revive that high street and help people support small businesses. And I think it's almost like being a politician now. With your business, you can have your policies, what your business stands for. And, and I think entrepreneurs have almost become the new politicians. I was speaking to Henry Dimbleby, founder of Leon, who is putting trained chefs into schools to help children eat better and healthier during their day. He says, as a business people, we have got to stop moaning and stop leaving it for everyone else to do, all the politicians. And he just believes that we should all roll up our sleeves and bloody get on with it and change people's lives. What would you say your key missions are then? It all just kind of ties into the same thing. Like if you think about Lean and 15 and my YouTube workouts, they're aimed at adults, mums and dads, everyone. And so my whole brand, the whole philosophy is fitness for all, anytime, anywhere. And the food thing is like, I want to know that I'm I'm getting... So with Weaning 15, for example, that parents know exactly what to give their baby to give them a good head start in life and as toddlers. And so it's that continuum of like getting kids exercising as early as possible. Because if you don't, it's very easy to become a sedentary adult. Mm. And to break that and try and get an adult to exercise Mm. when they've never done it is almost impossible. I just think that health and our happiness all comes down to the food we put in our bodies, the exercise we do. And I just think that's what's more important than anything. I mean, it's, of course it's important to be academically intelligent and be able to read and do maths and and science, but if all the kids are going to come out with mental health issues and obesity and be really sad and be bullied, or you know what I mean? Like, this is the problem. This is the crisis that we've got to fix. So that will always be my mission. I always say if I can get one person exercising today or one person cooking healthy food, a healthy meal, then I've had a successful day. Oh. Good. I'm so pleased. One thing as well to know is like this is the most. I think we're living in the most exciting time for business. Yes. Right now, because I mean, take me for example. I've just used social media, and I had no startup costs, and I've built this incredible brand and connected with people. And anyone out there with a passion who really wants to thing is one thing's having a passion, but you've really got to be willing to work. You've got to combine two. Because if you if you get knocked back and you have a bit of self confidence knocked, then I'm, I'm one of these people that if a door gets slammed in your face, you have to keep knocking on it, keep coming back. And it's that perseverance we were talking about earlier. You can have a great idea, you can want to do good, but unless you're willing to sweat it 15 hours a day, seven days a week, all year, then that's what it takes. And I always laugh when people, obviously we're not on the high street, I would have people going, oh, you know, they run a small business. Almost as if it was some sort of lifestyle choice. You know, they just did a little bit here and there and they could just manage to pay the mortgage. I said, are you joking me? It's the hardest job you will ever, ever do. It's the happiest. Yeah. But it's the it's a bit like parenting. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, it's all night. But when they smile at you, you're like, oh, all's forgiven. Speaking of using your platform for good, something that we connected over on Instagram the other day and how actually we're talking today was your post of an independent restaurant in Richmond called Una. I mean, now we're going to talk about them as well. I saw your post and was just blown away by your kindness and support of this local business. Can you tell me the story and why you thought that was important? I live in Richmond and every day I walk past this little restaurant, it's opened up and I was really excited, like, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? And it was because I love my food, right? And I walk into Richmond normally and I go to the bigger chains like GBK and Wagamama and all that sort of stuff. And every single day and, and every weekend, Friday and Saturday night, it's empty and they have all the tables laid out and all the, and, I, and it just breaks my heart. And me and Rosie kept saying, oh, we've got to go in there and we just put it off and put it off because you judge a restaurant by how many tables are busy, yes, right? Yes, yes. So... We're walking along, Indy's in the buggy and she was asleep and it's raining. And I said, look, let's just go to GBK and grab a quick burger. I walked past the window and 
there was one table being served and the lady that obviously owns the restaurant, she looked up and smiled at me through the window, this beautiful smile, this Indian lady, like the most wonderful smile. And I kept walking and I said, oh, Rosie, she just looked at me like she just gave me the nicest <laughs> smile. Like, I've go got to back, go back. Go I was back. like, come on, let's go back. So we walked about 10 metres and I, something in me just said, no, today is the day. Get We're in that restaurant. It. Go in there. So we, we walked in, you know, they're really friendly and we found out the, the table that were being served was actually her family. So we were the only paying customers in there. So Tuesday night, sat down the food took about 20 25 minutes to come which means the chef cares about his food because it really took it took his time and it was just incredible it's like um indian kind of malaysian thai sort of fusion tapas style so little mm. sharing plates oh it's really really lovely i could have been in zuma and mm. it's like you just judge a restaurant by its location and mm. and how many tables are anyway they didn't know who i was didn't ask me to do anything but i left the restaurant and done an Instagram story and a post saying, look, I've not been paid. This is not a sponsored ad, but this little restaurant, you know, blah, blah, blah. They're always empty. Let's give them a little chance. If you want to give them a follow, pop down there in Richmond. Anyway, they, they now have a three-week waiting list. Joe. You can't get in there. I mean, I've only just managed to get a table in there. Because they're, they're, they're Did you so... not get a golden table? No, there's no there's no plaque or anything in there. But I said, this isn't about me. I said, this is just about... When I went down the next day, someone sent me a message saying, it's really busy in there. It's Wednesday night. So I walked down and I literally, I felt so emotional about it. I was so proud that I've managed to use social media to give this family. I mean, they would have gone under. There's no way they weren't even paying their rent. They would have literally shut down. And now that business is 100% on its feet and it's going it's to smash it. They'll have a chain probably no, no time. <laughs> They'll be expanding all over Richmond. And I know not on the high street, they have really nice personalised plaques that we could make for you and you could do something joint, couldn't you? In, oh, in their chain. Oh, it maybe. was found, Yeah, founded by Joe Wicks or highlighted by Joe Wicks. But it wasn't, it wasn't about me getting no, any No, of course, I'm, 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 I'm just pulling your leg I, there. I gave I them some, I went and sat with them the other day and said, look, I want to, you've got this, because they had 200 followers, I've got 7,000 followers. I said, you need to keep that engaged and all yeah, that's so the other thing, isn't it? Yeah. Do regular stories and do a gratitude post. Let's like say thank you to all the people that have popped in this week because it's important that you um, you put a face to the business and they're and a little family it. and they're so happy. And I honestly, every I want to see every day I go by is packed. We call it here at Holly & Co, voting with your money from an Anna Lapay quote, which says, every time you spend money, you're casting for a vote for the kind of world you want to live in. But I always implore everybody who can to use local shops, support with, you know, family-run businesses, eat in your local independent restaurants, shop from the kitchen table, homemade small businesses. And it will make the world so much more sustainable and ethical and a happier place. Research shows that for every £1 spent with a small business, 63p is re-spent in the local area compared to 40p in every pound spent with larger businesses. So it just shows you that voting with that money, it's actually just goes full circle. So I just, I, I'm well, firstly, I'm going to go to Una. I'm not going to get a table now. I'm going to say Joe sent me <laughs> and going to go on that three-week waiting list. Each week, I sit down with a cup of tea and write my weekly Friday email, Holly's Desk Notes. I share everything I've been up to, thinking about or working on in the past week. I genuinely love it. And it's a real moment in my week when I stop, sit down and put pen to paper. You'll often find recommendations from my favourite small businesses and what they create, details of places or events I've been to or think you'd love, recent articles from our advice hub, the latest Holly Loves collections, or perhaps sharing what's been happening in my world outside of Holly & Co. 
Not only that, but by joining our email community, you'll be the first to hear about all the exciting updates throughout the year. Be that our shop independent campaigns, our tours across the country, and let's not forget the independent awards. If you'd love to hear our latest news, advice and inspiration, follow the link in the description below to join our newsletter community or head on over to holly.co where you can easily sign up. Now, let's get back to our conversation of inspiration. Something I wanted to also talk to you about was social media. We, we just mentioned its power. It was the reason you became so quickly successful. It was a platform that helped you launch your business and build this huge, amazing community. But I know you've also described it as a hamster wheel of social media. I'd love to talk to you about how it's helped shape your business, but what tips or rules you live by when using it? What are those sort of boundaries that you put in? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think I don't I, I really think that every business or what whatever industry it is, you need to have a presence on social media because this is your word of mouth now, this is your you know, referrals, this is your yep. your landing page, it's your it's your shop front. And so I'm very I'm I'm without a doubt totally hundred percent addicted to social media. I love the transformations, the testimonials, the people I'm impacting and I'm still so engaging. I've obviously got um, my little cousin, Luca, does my social media community. So he looks after the platforms and channels. But I still very much do a lot of work, mainly sort of voice notes, because I think people don't even think I'm going to reply. So when I send a voice note, it means so much to them. But you do have, I think for me now, I've got to start implementing a bit more of a, yeah, like a, a, a focused time where mm. this is my work time, this is my family time. And don't just integrate the social media 24-7 throughout the day, because that's when it sucks all the energy out of you. Also, people will expect it from you. You're almost like it's a great thing, isn't it, that you're giving back and you're giving all this time that you could be with your daughter, let's say, at night and you're doing that voice note. But at the same time, as you, I think you alluded to, the more you give out, then the more people are hopefully wanting to receive your voice note. And there's only one of you, Joe. There's only yeah. one vessel here sitting in front of me that can it can't be expanded much more. And they do. The more you send voice notes, then they become your friend. And then they'll put, I mean, I get some really intense stuff, like people that are going through really tough relationships or, you know, eating disorders. And I'm, I, once mm. I've replied to them once, I can never ignore them. I can never mm. go, oh, I replied to that one because they asked about the plan or they asked about, they mm-hmm. bought my book. But I can't, I'm not like that. I have to always reply, always engage, always say thank you. And I think gratitude goes a long way. But in terms of your social media, you need, firstly, you need to be on all platforms. You need to be consistent because you're battling with this algorithm that if you don't put up consistent stuff, there's someone else that's doing it and they're going to float to the top of people's news feed. So consistency is important, but also that I know it gets banded around all the time, but authenticity, like if you're real and you're genuinely a nice, kind, loving person, then you can come across on social media and people will know that. If it's all about your ego and about likes and about you making money, then you won't go very far. And that's why there's not many people in the UK in the fitness industry with 2.5 million followers. Do you know what I mean? So mm. it's only people that truly care and that really really put people first, really stand out and mm. have a massive audience. And, mm. and that is important, really. You don't do too many personal posts or too many selfies. Is that a rule that you've created? Are you trying to protect some stuff in your life? I used to be really private in terms of with Rosie in India. I wasn't sharing as much, but... I realise just how much I love them and I can't stop talking about them sometimes. But in terms of my own account, I always just find that my Instagram account is like, if you land on it, I want to be able to inspire you and give you some motivation, but also like, what can it do for you? Is it If it's just about me 
doing selfies and showing how ripped I am all the time, which I'm not right now because I've been lazy. You know, it's about helping other people get in shape and help, yeah. you know, real, real transformations from real people. And it's definitely, it's never been about ego for me. You know, it's mm. about giving people some valuable content that is going to help them either cook a recipe or go and do an exercise and just change their mindset. I'm really into the whole mental health and mindset mm. thing. I don't keep, I, I don't really mention go and do this workout to burn fat. You're going to feel good and lose weight. Mm. I'm like, you're going to feel energized. You're going to feel productive. Mm. It's going to allow you to be more patient and, and mm. be a better mum or dad. And there's so mm. many different things attached to exercise that people don't really talk about. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really, I'm really It's quite surface level that they talk about, isn't it? It's always body image, yeah. yeah but yeah. mentally and from sleep and your digestion, it all comes down to the food we eat. I think what slightly frustrates me about social media is it does encourage a certain level of ego. And don't get me wrong, I love a selfie as much as the next person. But what I really love about your Instagram is that you can tell, as you said, it's there to educate, inspire and shine a light on others. It's what I'm trying to do with my own. It's if that post that you're posting can actually have a ripple effect and it's not about shining the light back on yourself. And I do feel we've gone slightly down a route, haven't we, of this sort of shiny, glam, perfect images, six pack, even though I'm talking to you. But instead, you stay in authentic. You tread this sort of careful life of your personal posts and your business posts. And I know a lot of small businesses feel like they might have to give everything to their feed. Do you think that it, it is about creating an entire brand? So you have to be fully immersed within it? When I look around at the people I think are succeeding and smashing it in business and life, I think they are very much personality driven brands I think yeah it's difficult for corporate brands to kind of, well you know some corporate brands get it right but I think when you look at people like Jamie Oliver for example he's, an, he's a good example in the sense that he's still relevant today he still sold a million books last year with that five ingredients book he still cares about people you know and it, when you're someone that's passionate that passionate it is easy to stay relevant and in the public eye and within you know business and have an opportunity well, you're not waiting for a department are you to tell you what to do yeah and some sort of strategy you're just straight there and I think yeah, I think it is difficult for big corporate commercial brands to kind of have that face in front of a brand. But also at the same time, for me, it's hard to ever expand because I'm so, it's, everyone relies on me so much. It's hard to kind of, I can't, I've tried getting people on my YouTube channel and different trainers, but they just want to come back to me because they're so used to what I'm doing. So oh, it's kind of like, yeah. you've got to try and balance it out really. That, yeah, isn't it? Interesting. It's interesting because I tend to think about it where the future of social media is going. And I like to try and sort of future-proof business. So when I'm talking to businesses, I sometimes ask, so if there wasn't any Instagram, what would you do? I'm not going to ask you that. But it is a good thing to think about because do you have a strength behind um, just one route to market? What do you think the future holds for social media? Because I know we're seeing a shift in the way people are using it, especially since the days, let's say, you started out. Where do you think it might go? I'm seeing a lot of people now like, and even myself and, lo and friends of mine that are kind of turning their back on it a little bit because we've all become so obsessed and, and, and so connected and just plugged into the, you're literally plugged into the Facebook and Instagram algorithm by posting and reviewing and watching and absorbing content. So there's going to come a point where we just go enough's enough. I just want to go back to what it used to be like with a Nokia 5110 and I could just text my friends and ring my friends. I do, I do think it will come because it's just not productive use of our time. Like, and it's making us unhappier because we're comparing all the time. And but that's so interesting you say that. From your business being within social media, 
Do you think that that's more that actually maybe some of the weaker brands will fall away because of it? And maybe brands with a purpose or brands with a face that you believe, that you feel like you have a... You enhance people's lives, right? So I hope that even if we go back full circle, there is still place for people who are trying to do good. I don't think... uh, It's never going to... Social media will never go, never disappear. But I think our usage, our screens, our our screen time can't... We can't peak. We can't get any more screen time in a day. Because if you think... We're looking at our phones and we've got our laptops and our TV. What I mean is eventually we'll still have social media and still use it, but people will be much more like, I'm just going to do it for an hour a day. And I think because it's just too, the way we're doing it is scrolling on the bus, on the toilet, on the way, you know, when you're brushing your teeth, you're watching stories. (laughs) It's just constant. I don't remember the last time I just let my brain just think, you know, but what I'm doing now, when I go for walks of Indy, I know sometimes I I story it, but my most wonderful walks, when I leave my phone at home and it's me, Rose and Indy. And so eventually we're all going to go back just to a little bit more of that, just alone time and not being connected to your device. Yeah, But there'll always be social media. You you need to always focus on that. And I think the reason I've, I've got a community because I've built a community. We're so disconnected, aren't we, from mm-hmm. people now that you're going to have to go back to looking after other people. I agree. Something I feel passionate about is to help small businesses and mentor them and guide them. And it's creating a strong, lifelong brand. And I feel that brand is the value of any business. You know, brand is your main asset. It's this sort of invisible diamond that you have to sort of protect and shine. And actually, I always say to the founders, you hold on to that diamond. Don't let anyone else touch it. You know, keep that core, what I call life force of your business and and just make sure that you protect it. You must have so many opportunities given to you or proposed to you. How do you stay true to your brand and what collaborations then do you pick i really like that analogy of keeping that diamond close and looking after because it is if you lose sight of that and you just take everything you get thrown at you is you can really lose that special you know gem that's inside and it can all just come crumbling down so i'll tell you a story recently this is this is a true story i just walked away from a two million pound deal with a supermarket because when the supermarket came to me and they said we're going to guarantee you a million pounds a year for two years and that's the minimum they guaranteed they said to me, right, this is the product. It was microwave dinners. It was throwing the wok, ready meals and all this stuff. And I sat down with my brother and I was like, I've just spent five years telling the world they can cook, they can find 15 minutes. And that's life-changing money for me. And it, was, it wasn't a hard decision because I just like, I protect my diamond, like you yep, just said. Yep. Just, just knowing instinctively that I could not come out on my channel and say, hey, guys, guess what? I've got new ready meals out in the supermarket. You can bang them in the microwave for two minutes. So I, I walked away from that deal and, and I don't regret it. And I then went and thought, right, how, what can I do to replace that and do something different in the food space? So I partnered up with Gusto, which is this amazing company. I've seen, it's brilliant. And I've still been called a sellout. This is the thing, it, it is upsetting when people go, sell out, you're just cashing in. Like, if only they knew that I, I turned down all these deals every day. You know, brands. Oh, like, but they're looking for the weak spot. They look for the weak spot. But I, I hear it's bloody annoying. You know, there you are. You've got all of this going on. It's invisible to absolutely everybody. You make the right decisions for them. And yet now you're a sellout for doing something. You'll that always actually, get it, yeah. yeah. But go on, it. tell me, keep telling about so that because I love thing, this. It's amazing coming and they've got a very similar mission to me, which is they want to get families cooking at home healthy food. So all you're doing is removing the supermarket from it because it's, it's a box of all the ingredients, all the, all the portions measured out. And it's wonderful. I mean, I was a customer for six weeks before I got involved. But I actually contacted them and said, look, I've got a new book coming out, a veggie book. Can I put some of my veggie recipes in your boxes to promote the book? It was just a, honestly like a fleeting kind of meeting. We met the CEO. I told him I was a fan of the company. It became a much bigger conversation. So I'm an ambassador, but I've also invested some of my own money in the company because I want to be involved for the long term. And 
I love it. it. It really is a game changer. Like I'm, I'm always talking about it on my Instagram and there's that fine line of like, I've got to show people that I'm cooking my own recipes, but I really am cooking four recipes a week from Gusto. Mm. So yeah, I can I can be proud of that partnership. It's mm. it's part of the mission. It's still... But you had to walk away from what you said is life-changing money to protect that diamond, mm. to protect the thing that you know you're going to be reliant on yeah. for many, many years ahead of you. And I just think who not many people would be able to say no because they'd be like, I need that such big money, but... I know that I want to be around in 15, 20 years' time. Mm. I want to be like Jamie Oliver, someone who's mm. still really respected and well-known. If mm. I had done supermarket meals, mm. ready meals, you mm. all credibility mm. would have been gone. Mm. And, I, and, I, and so I made the right decision and I, I stand by it and I'm, I'm proud of the Gusto thing. So coming back to the partnerships things, I get offered, you know, will you promote our new low-calorie vodka? It, 100 grand for two posts. When I go out, I drink gin and tonic and cocktails. I don't drink low-calorie vodka. I don't care what, what calories in your vodka. So it's things like that I just refuse to even get involved in. Mm. But if I relied on that revenue and that mm. income, I'd probably be like, oh, maybe I should do a few of these a mm. year. But I'm, I'm, vo- I'm very fortunate that I've got the online business mm. and I've got the books that sell in high volume because mm. it's hard to make money from books. Not many mm. people do. No. and But we're going back to, aren't you? You built a strong foundation. You've got the scaffolding for the rest of your business. But, you know, that's probably the more sustainable business model. Definitely. Definitely building businesses and you know owning the IP around your products and your, your brand is so important. I mean, I've... I'm having really amazing conversations now with like Disney, like the biggest company in the world want to work for me because I'm the guy in the UK, the face of like schools fitness and health and I'm not promoting vodka and doing it. I mean, if, if I had done any other decisions, I wouldn't be having these amazing yeah. conversations with yeah. these really amazing brands. So you have to have a long horizon, a five, 10 year vision, not just yep. like, I need to make a hundred grand this year. I can make 200 grand if I t- do those deals and sign with an agency. Like I just yep. don't think it's got sustainability long-term. So if you can own your own business and your own platform or your own you know, database of, of clients, then that is going to be way more valuable than just relying on Instagram or social media to give you brand partnerships because one day you're not going to be as hot as you are now. Well, we're touching on branding. My favourite Joe Wicks fact is that you increase the sales of tender stem broccoli, hence your lunch today, by 25% in the UK. I couldn't believe this when I heard it. It goes to show the sort of power of social media and good and is it because you renamed the midget trees how did you know that fact the fact came from the the trade magazine for the grocery industry it's called the grocer and the grocer published an article saying that when from the from the day my veggie lean 15 book came out i had a lot of i had a lot of recipes in there with tender stem broccoli and i would say in with the midget trees you know just messing around (laughs) and sales went up in the uk by 25 percent so that's a lot of money for these companies and these industries and i was really proud of that but I, I definitely wasn't an investor. I wasn't behind it or anything. It wasn't like a big marketing thing. I was just calling it. I was just saying, because they do. They look like yeah, little they tiny do. trees. And so it was just me being silly. But yeah, it, it was a good example of, you know, people just finding something funny, trying a recipe and it lifting yeah. that category in that, in, that, in that product space. I'd love to touch on a quality that is easy to say, but shattering to do. And I believe it's fueled my own success, which is perseverance. I know many would see you as this overnight success, but I personally obviously saw that hard work and that dedication, you not giving up, not giving up on people. What kept you going in those early, cold, rainy mornings when no one was coming to your classes for people listening who are going through that stage of launching their business? You remember it. I remember it. These are the most darkest, darkest times. What would you say to somebody who's going through that? I can't remember a moment when I said, this is when I became determined or this is when I had ambition or this is when I started to set goals. I just didn't like the thought of just giving up. I thought if I do give up, if I get upset and just go straight home and don't go flyering today there's no way another person's going to come next week you have to go and do something and so 
it was just something in the back of my mind for Joe, you want to be a success. You don't want to go and work for someone else. You don't want to work in a gym. You want to have your own business. You want to be, you know, own your own time and design your own lifestyle. So I knew my only option was to work for myself. And I think when you expose yourself and you seek discomfort, I always say seek discomfort to achieve what you really want. You, it's not going to come easy. Like nothing comes easy. And you know that from starting a mm. business. And every time you start a new business, it's going to be really quiet. No one knows about it. But you keep talking about it, amplifying it. And I just believe in just keep going back keep flyer and whatever it may be you know just and and not give up people just I, it makes me sad that people give up on their dreams so easily people might have a really good idea really amazing business idea or product but they get one no or a couple of rejections and they lose all self-confidence and then their limiting beliefs kick in and they're done and they are mm -hmm. destroyed for the rest of their life they never come back from it you can't be like that. you have to be a winner you have to come back and say i'm gonna take the rejection i'm gonna learn from it i'm gonna evolve i'm gonna adapt and i'm gonna come back and be even more positive and even more determined because that's when people really start to take notice when you're like the guy that just doesn't give up or the, the woman that doesn't want to say no and just keeps coming back it's powerful but you've had the knocks right you've had you must have a lot of noise that can be negative pushed towards you have you? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean in, well, like in the early days, so nobody would come and people on social media was like, this guy's annoying. Why is he talking to fruit and vegetables? What an idiot. You know, there's no money in books. People, you know, someone said to me, there's no money in books. Why are you doing it? Just do an e-book, do a digital book, like do a £10 downloadable thing. And I said, well, I've got this book deal. And, you know, I went on to sell like over 3 million books. So you can't be disheartened by other people. And even now I'm realising that people just don't like you being successful People want you to do well, but they don't want you to be too successful. They don't like it. Do you think that's a UK thing? Definitely. Because in America, you know, our American counterparts, you know, you go along and I've heard, you know, people are successful. They are like, well done you. Yeah, well done they you. Believe it, yeah. Do you know what? You must have worked so hard. Congratulations. But sometimes, and I've certainly had my own experience, not from the people in my community or the people that I love, but outside of that, who are right ready to knock you down they're just they're just ready literally you walk out and they just want to go clonk most of my so most sentiment on my channels is positive but the negative is always other personal trainers and i always used to, i used to find it really upsetting i'd really let it affect me but now i realize that's just their frustrations and it is hard being a personal trainer it's really tough growing a business it's hard to grow on social media so whereas i used to react and get a bit upset now you I know now, it's their I'm, problem i'm more understanding and i'm like I can imagine what it's like being a personal trainer setting up for the first time, how difficult it is. And so I never respond and retaliate. And I even try and mentor people. Like I DM people and say, look, this is what I would do. This is what mm -hmm. I've been looking at your Instagram. I like to give people feedback. And, and so it's always important to re you know, reach out. If you, if you want advice, you know, keep asking. People will, get back, people will get back to you. Someone will. And ignore those who just want to take you down. Because as you said, that's because they're setting up on a cold, rainy day. They're having a really shit day. And actually, they're going to beat you up because of that. And yeah. I think that's what we've got to always remember. It's their own monologue that is making them react that way. And it's not because of it. And it's, it's, a, it's an art, isn't it, to learn how to protect yourself and to not let it come into your heart or affect Definitely. you. Because it can be one, one comment can... You know, some of the other day, I, I obviously did the Una thing. Just It was this amazing, wonderful, warm response from everybody and the support they got. But one guy was like... You're still a sellout. Don't just do one good deed and think you're the man. And it really it hurt me for about ten seconds. I was like, just chill out, Joe. Imagine all the nice things people have said. But as humans, we always tune into that really yeah, negative, spiteful comment, and it riles you for a little bit. And you go, just have a little breath, and then be like, no, it's fine. I'm going to focus on the nice messages that came in today. But that is something I've taught myself as I've evolved. I've yeah, grown you up have a little to bit. now with social media, don't you? One of my final questions is, what do you see the future 
Do you plan the next decade in your mind? And what's that journey going to look like? I'm really short term with my vision and my, I kind of live for today. I'm like, what am I doing today? Am I happy today? You know, maybe I think about next week or a few weeks, but I'm not someone like who's got this schedule and things planned out for years in advance. I, I like to have a little bit more movement and flexibility in my life. But one thing I do know is this schools thing is the start of something big. When I realised that 18,000 people applied, so 18,000 schools, that means that someone out there cares. People really care. Mm-hmm. and Those teachers these care. These teachers, the parents, the mums, the, you know, the dinner ladies, they, they care and they can see there's something going on. And this is the start of a massive campaign that I think I can do bigger and better every year and really get amazing content. I think it'll end up being a YouTube, some kind of digital mm-hmm. online platform, but... Again, this is this is going to create real change, and I think it's what I'll be remembered for in in the future. Because I won't always have abs. When I lose my hair and I get a big belly, I'm not always going to be this fit body coach guy. So I've got to, you know, keep the mission going and just keep working and doing everything I can really to help people. Everything for the tummy, everything for the flabby tummy. You've got to prepare for that moment in time. I think that's a long, long way off. I end all my interviews with this analogy, and you know this, that running your own small business is like being on some, you've come with this electric skateboard. So you're like on this electric skateboard going up and down hills. Tell me what your, what's been one of your lowest moments on this, on this business journey. My lowest moment has probably been around staff and people and, and, and kind of seeing people I really care about leave the business because... I had like a good friend of mine, Ted, and, and a really amazing general manager. And what it is within the company, it's quite a flat company. There's not a lot of progression. So I had to see people that really helped me stabilize the company and help me, you know, put really good processes in place and help me grow it effectively. Because there was no next step, they moved yeah. on. So I always, I always find that really difficult. I, I, I find that I care about people a lot. I'm not some ruthless CEO that just like has no emotion. I, I'm, I'm more about relationships and friendships. And so that was quite difficult, I think. And I definitely think the hiring and firing kind of thing. It's hard, actually isn't it? Had to yeah do do much of that because John, Johnny Martin was my the manager, but it is. I, I just I care about people so much that I find it very emotional. I can't separate like emotion from this is business and this is what we have got to do. So um, you have I, this one life, don't you? This thing that you've built, and so when people are entering it, it matters to you. Yeah, and that's why they're probably really good people for your business, you know. But it is tough, isn't it? It's this. Yeah, it's retaining ho- good people. Yeah, because yeah, like, they're, if they're ambitious and there's not another step for them, then they're going to. It's hard to get them. Hard motivated. and then not build the next step for them to keep them when that's probably not right for the business. It's the, it's always a difficult one. And tell me, on the opposite of that, what's been one of your greatest highs? The greatest high for me probably has been the day I did the world record for the world's largest hit session in Hyde Park. This was this is in the Guinness World Record. So I went from you know running these boot camps with nobody there. And then I looked out and I was on the top of the stage at Hyde Park at British Summertime Festival and there was four and a half thousand people oh my goodness. doing burpees and squats and lunges. <laughs> and I felt really emotional. I felt proud. Like I had my mum there and my, my brother and all my family were there. And it just it made me realise that I've just gone on this massive, you know, full circle. And yeah. I'm really doing what I wanted in the beginning, which is like just getting people exercised and happy and bringing people together. So I ended up achieving my goal. So Phew. you're in the book? Yeah, I'm in the 2019 Guinness World Records. There's a little photo in the beginning, yeah, it says... That's another plaque you've got to have. I've, well, they well, have, I've got yeah, many, they've, I, they've oh, sent me a plaque Oh, you've for that. got a plaque, sorry, I can't, I can't do that. I've got a plaque for that, and the only other plaque I've got is for my one million copies sold of my um, Lean in 15 book, because 
There's only a couple of books I've ever done that, so they sent me a plaque. Oh, my God. Is it, like, up there with the Jamie's, the Harry Potter's? It's basically, like, yeah, it was J.K. It was Fifty Shades of Grey, J.K. Rowling and my book were the, fir- were the first three books that got a million copies in that year or something. <laughs> just that. Just that. Pretty and, and And another thing I'm asking my guests is, um, who could you personally recommend that you think might inspire me and inspire our listeners on this podcast? A guest you should definitely get on, and I can definitely hook it up, is Timo Bolt, who is the CEO of Gusto. So yeah. Timo went on Dragon's Den, and he's, he started the company, and same thing, he got this idea, and when he first got people signing up to Gusto, he would go and buy the stuff from a supermarket and go and deliver it to their house, deliver the boxes himself. He would actually do that? Yeah, and now it's, it's, got, it's, it's got, obviously got a lot of investment, but he's a, such a lovely man, he's on a mission to you know, reduce plastic, food waste, and families cooking he's a really good guy and he's i, I listen to his podcast with uh, monocle it's called monocle podcast, okay yeah and it's brilliant so listen to that and if you, yeah. if you like it get oh, him on. please will you yeah i can get i'll give you his email thank you so much joe for your incredible words of wisdom um i just want to say a massive huge congratulations you just thoroughly deserve it as a human being, you are going to change the world. You're going to help so many kids. I feel like I'm sitting with another Jamie Oliver, not doing the same thing, but that same level that you are going to build something that's going to have this lasting effect on all of us and all of our children. Your energy, enthusiasm, this is just going to keep me topped up for weeks, definitely. And I hope that you'll come back and I can give you more midget trees on toast and things. So, Huge congratulations, and we're just properly lucky to have you in the oh, world. Thank you so much. Properly. Thank you. And I, I, you know, I live down the road, so in Richmond, and I'll, I take uh, Indian Rosie. We go to the NGM around the corner, so I'll be popping back for that sandwich. Definitely. Oh, yeah, you, yes, and then gin and tonic as well. Let me buy you one. But I end all my interviews with this special moment where I've asked my guests to write a letter to their younger selves. And I just can't wait to hear what you'd say to a younger Joe Wicks. I have a feeling I might need some tissues. Over oh, I'm nervous you. about this now because when whenever I tell my story, like, have you seen my graduation speech I where have. I talked to the university? I, I cried myself to sleep last night. I thanks always to end that. up. I always end up. Well, anyway, I'm trying not to get emotional, but I want to read my letter. Well, so this is. You wouldn't be the first. This is a letter to myself when I was 25 years old and I was on a bi- bicycle trip in America, running away. So, dear Joe, you're 25 years old and you're running away. You're not actually running, but you're on a bike cycling down the west coast of America with a tent, a sleeping bag and a camping stove. You're living the dream on the surface, seeking adventure and having fun, but underneath you're feeling lost, confused and struggling to find your direction in life. You keep telling yourself you're experiencing a quarter-life crisis and the only way to deal with it is to keep running away. You don't know who you are or what you want to become. You wake up some days feeling a cloud of sadness over you. The reality of settling down or committing to a career and relationship scares you, so you avoid it at all costs. You're not quite ready for it and you don't really believe in it yet. You keep buying time by labouring with your dad or working in a bar to save a few quid, just enough to book a flight out of town. The cycle continues. I want you to know that this feeling of being lost, sad and confused will pass. One day you'll make the decision to commit to starting something. You'll complete a personal training course This will be the start of a journey to something bigger than you could ever dream of. You'll go on to find your purpose in life. You'll grow to be ambitious, passionate and determined. You will help millions of people around the world become healthier and happier and this will make you happy every single day. You won't let your limiting beliefs hold you back in life. You'll learn from your mistakes and evolve into a man fully capable of committing to love. When you do, you'll become your true self. 
You'll become a proud dad to a beautiful baby girl and experience true love. You'll value your family and friends and never lose sight of your mission to help others in life. Keep believing in yourself. Keep flying. Keep turning up. Keep posting your recipes and keep setting goals. One day you'll realise you're capable of achieving anything you want. Just remember these three important principles to live by and you can't go wrong. Work hard, have fun and be nice. <laughs> That's it. Oh, you are so nice. You were just so nice. I wrote and... that last night before bed. I was listening to a few and I thought, oh, how far back do I go? You know, but I thought 25, this is when I was at my, mo my most sort of confused and lost. And I think a lot of people hit that age, they come out of you and they feel like mm. that. But it is, you know, don't worry, you're going to get through it and you'll be happy one day and you're going to find your purpose. I know so many people at exactly that age that you're talking about. And it makes me so sad when I see so how sad they are, that they don't know where they're going. And just by hearing your letter that you were in exactly that same position. You were running away and you are here now and you are doing exactly what you say on the tin. And you're just this beam of goodness and happiness and kindness. And I'm just thrilled to know you now. Thank oh, you, thank Joe. You. I've had such a lovely um, afternoon with you and I will definitely come back. Thank oh, you so much for having you. me as a guest on your podcast. Big kiss. Lots of love. If you've enjoyed this episode with Joe, I'd love to suggest listening to my conversation with Jake Humphrey, broadcaster and founder. You can find Jake's interview by searching Conversations of Inspiration wherever you get your podcasts. And if it's helped or inspired you, would you mind rating and reviewing? Your support really does mean the world to me. It helps spread the word and will inspire more people to build a life they love. And for all our latest news, you can sign up to my weekly newsletter, Holly's Desk Notes, over at holly.co. Mm -hmm.